Hey guys, we've got to that point in the show where we need to start depending on listeners like you to help keep this thing going. What are we, fucking PBS? Oh yeah, you know it. I'm LeVar Burton. I wanted to be LeVar. Fuck. All right. I called it first. Yeah, I'm hosting we... Jeopardy. <laughs> are you though? Listen, guys, we, we need your help uh, to help keep the lights on, as they say. Uh, we are launching our Patreon for Masters of the Cinematic Universe. Yes. Yes. And we have uh, different tiers that you can sign up for and pledge to, just like PBS. Um, you get some different real cool gifts and prizes and merch, uh, depending on the tier that you sign up for. Oh, we got all the tiers. Oh, yeah. You Back. can either be a friend it, of the show, a oh. friend with benefits. Ooh. We just we could start to get serious, or you could just put a ring on it already. Yeah. Ooh, damn. And if you uh, if you exceed that amount, uh, you know we'll send you some not safe for work picks if, if you want. <laughs> it's not safe for your eyes picks in my case, but not safe for anything right. picks. Yeah. But yeah, guys, check out uh, patreon.com slash motcu. Uh, take a look at well, all the different tiers that we're offering. Lots of cool. Uh, swag coming your way from stickers to t-shirts to getting to pick the film that we uh, talk about. Yeah. The yeah. tiers started at a dollar. A dollar a month. Come on, what? folks. That's it? Yep. One buck to get in on that on that number one tier. And All with right. that, you even get the live chat with us anytime you want, as well as a shout out on every episode. Right. So, come on. That's less than a cup of coffee a month. Jesus, what a steal. Yeah, guys, right? check it out. Again, patreon.com slash M-O-T-C-U. And then enjoy this week's movie. So do, we, do we have any new Patreon members uh, this week? Well, then play it again. Play it again. <laughs> <laughs> because I fucking told you, if I got a new Patreon member this week, we would get rid of that ad forever. And now you you guys done fucked up, and now you got to hear it again. Yep. No, don't don't actually. Visit patreon.com slash m o t c u to support the show. You cheapskate. <laughs> I love it. That's one of the best drops ever. Yes. And we are back with part two of Silence of the Lambs. One thing I wanted to do, I needed to do a quick jump back to uh, at the end of their first interaction Clarice and Dr. Lecter uh, Clarice goes out to her car which we see is a 75 Ford Pino yeah. um, so it sort of drives home the point that she is trying to give off an air of of being a little more well off and a little more you know educated than she actually is as Dr. Lecter described her because she's driving a 75 Ford Pino um, she lets out a good cry outside the car um, I was going to say, nothing we, about driving a Pinto shows intellect. <laughs> no, I know. So um, It does show she likes to live dangerously, though. No, that's very true. Very true. So a quick little bit of trivia about that is that she, in, in her shadowing of a female FBI agent that helped her prepare for this role, the FBI agent told her that, that, that she would, a lot of times after a difficult situation, when she got back to her car, would just have a cry, just to let out the emotion, by herself so that she could move on with things and go from there. But the reason I bring this up is because there is a quick flashback scene to a young Clarice seeing her father arrive home from work. And we learn he is a sheriff's deputy or a marshal in this case, the yeah. town marshal in the town she grew up in. And it, it 
gives us the impression, and it's later confirmed, or at least in the book it was confirmed, that her mother passed away. So she was raised solely by her father. Um, yeah, cool bit so of, excited to see him. Cool bit of trivia. He drives a Volkswagen Beetle that goes. That's a siren. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I just wanted to bring that up because it is important because there'll be some more scenes and some flashbacks that we're going to talk about. So uh, it'll it'll help make more sense. And I know, Alex, you said you had a couple pieces of trivia about the storage unit. So why don't we lay that stuff out too? For sure. Yeah. I just wanted to. First thing I was going to echo is like the whole. Clarice is kind of on her own and the whole using the Jack, like it's just another doubling down the representing that like she's got to be resourceful and take stuff into her own hands and she's going to get it done. You know, I also kind of think of the garage doors. That's the start of her on this journey. And as soon as she goes in there, she gets cut to kind of represent this anxiety. And as soon as you do, you cross a line, stuff's going to get, you know, laid down. Yes. Um, Yeah. Which I always took it as like, Oh, point literally crossing the threshold and now there's a, a, a cut happening right also, she has one of those fucking like off-road jeep jacks like what yeah. why does she have the giant the biggest fucking jack possible because in 1975 that's the only kind of jack you got <laughs> really yeah, is that the go. truth i didn't know that oh, was that's thing. the 100 percent truth joe that was the jack you got every mm-hmm. car had that jack there were notches cut out in the bumpers because you could actually put it on the bumper oh, nice. and not worry about ripping the bumper off the car. Yeah. And you would lift the car that way. Absolutely. Also, Those were the jacks. I like that we got two back-to-back scenes of jacking. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> say, hey, can we talk about the jacking scene? And you would not know which one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. Very so. well done. Um, yeah, so the other two things I had, one was, uh, the other one was the on the set design one of the um one of the set design people draped the car in the american flag because they thought it was going to look good and demi thought it was a really good representation of when it comes to serial killers and this fucked up nature america is like a homeland to a lot of that type of like yeah. nature so he thought it actually kind of pointed out a lot of that type of stuff you Very know true. and he 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 pointed out a lot of things of like nationalism you know, being obscured with patriotism, that type yeah. of shit that goes on. Yeah. And the last thing is one of the producers is actually the inside the um car. That uh that face that you see there, that like makeup face that's supposed to be Moffat or whatever. No, it's not yeah. Moffat. It's uh, uh Benjamin well, Raspell. Yeah. Raspell. Yeah, yeah Raspell. Uh that's one of the producers. He's always in the movies that he produces, I guess, or something like that. See, that yeah. he was saying and it's like a mold of his face. I read the American flag to represent like when like um, like a, a, a combat a U.S. something something combat soldier or somebody dies in action and they put the flag over the the casket because of the yeah. fact that it was over a hearse and like he was dead yeah. inside of it. Okay, yeah, I can yeah. see that too. That yep. works as well. Yeah. Wasn't he like? Then they say who he was. Like he was somebody like. He was a patient of Lecter's. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I couldn't he was remember. Tied like, to Buffalo Bill. Yeah, I couldn't remember they gave like any of his backstory at all. Like, yeah, he's a patient of he's a patient of Lecter. He was mm-hmm. a patient of Lecter's, but Lecter did not kill him. Buffalo Bill killed him. Yeah, but Lecter knew he was there, mm-hmm. and that's why he steered Clarice in that direction. Yeah. So I'm going to send this to you guys in the chat. Um, I don't have to email it or get it to you somehow, Alex. But if you want a really cheap and uh, effective Halloween prop this year. And that will pay homage to this movie. If you have a glass jar, you just take a picture of your face, making a silly face, you know, making some kind of goofy face, and print it one one on on a on a color printer. Cut it out, 
put it against the glass and fill it with water, and it will look like your head is in the jar. Oh, really? Oh, that's great. Yeah, I've I've done it a couple of times, and it's uh, you know, huh. you add some food coloring in there, and get a little yeah, nice. Cool. If if I had a single trick or treat to come to my house in the last five years, I might do that. But otherwise, I don't really have any reason to because they don't. No, play. you just put it out in the kitchen and, and hide. You know what <laughs> I mean? Hold on, I gotta call a bullshit on you for a second, Doug. Yeah. Have you been to that house for a Halloween yet? No, I'm talking about in the last. Yes, I have actually. We were in here uh, a week. Okay. I was gonna say I couldn't remember if you were there for Halloween last year. No, or not. we were in here a week, but my 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 last place before this one down the road from here. Okay, same we neighborhood. Five years without any trick or treaters, and this year we had no trick or treaters okay. at this house either. That's fair. So yes, yeah, yeah. which but is yes, ironic because isn't in... everyone up there like into Halloween and shit? Oh yeah, big time. I mean Salem, Massachusetts, not far away. I know. So I was thinking. Uh, yeah, and my son John. That's my son John's favorite uh, holiday. He was baptized on. Uh, on uh, Halloween, but um, otherwise, no, we just don't have them come. I scare them all the fuck away. See, the thing, <laughs> the only thing I hate about Halloween, well, I got two things. One, I, I love the concept of Halloween, but I live in Florida and it's always fucking hot on Halloween. It can never be cool enough to like actually yeah, enjoy wearing true. a costume. That's gotta suck because, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they fucked over daylight savings time. So it fucking starts like the week after Halloween. So it doesn't get dark till like nine o'clock. Yeah. That's also bullshit. I agree with you. That's also bullshit. When I lived in the Northeast for Halloween, our costumes would always get ruined because it was too cold. So it's like, oh, you're a werewolf, but you got to wear your park. You got to wear your coat. Yeah. You can't can't be a slutty werewolf. I agree. I agree. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, um, as far as Salem, Massachusetts goes, Nobody who lives in Massachusetts goes to Salem because it's so fucking overdone and crowded and you got to park five miles away and take shuttle buses and it sucks to go. I'm just saying. It's a really cool town. It's got really cool stuff. You're better off going before, go a different day. Halloween. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Go Do September go or November, maybe. Yes. You know, like, exactly. I don't know. Exactly, because everything's still open. Yep. You can go to all the attractions, the Salem Witch Trials, and, 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 and the House of Green Gables, and all that stuff. It's all open. But you don't go, especially that week before Halloween, because mm-hmm. it is an mm-hmm. epic nightmare, and it's so mm-hmm. uncomfortable, yeah. and it sucks. We have Stop a, uh, being the, a basic bitch. The Florida yeah, version exactly. of Salem called Casadega. <laughs> Oh God! Uh-huh. Okay. Can I can I throw a PSA about Salem out there? I hate to derail yeah. the episode bit further, but the whole point of the Salem witch trials and there's like there's you can walk around this town and there's like effigies in stone about like, hey man, how dangerous the power of belief can be. Like yes. look at this terrible shit we did. You walk a block and it's like psychic, psychic, psychic. I know, I know they're <laughs> everywhere. Exactly, they what are the everywhere. Fuck, man? You're absolutely right. It's it is kind of funny. Um, all right, so uh, she finds the severed head. In, in the car and uh, our next scene is back at Baltimore hospital and our second interaction between the two, the antagonist and the protagonist roll it. Hester Moffat. It's an anagram, isn't it? Doctor Hester Moffat, the rest of me miss the rest of me, meaning that you rented that garage.
Thank you. Your bleeding has stopped. How did you? It's nothing. It's just a scratch. Dr. Lecter, whose head is in that bottle? Why don't you ask me about Buffalo Bill? Well, do you know something about him? I might if I saw the case file. You could get that for me. Why don't we talk about Miss Moffat? You wanted me to find him. His real name is Benjamin Raspell, a former patient of mine whose romantic attachments ran to, shall we say, the exotic. I did not kill him, I assure you, merely tucked him away very much as I found him after he'd missed three appointments. But if you didn't kill him, then who did, sir? Who can say? Best thing for him, really. His therapy was going nowhere. His dress, uh, makeup. Raspo was a transvestite? In life? Oh, no. Garden variety manic depressive. Tedious, very tedious. No, no, just think of him as a kind of experiment. A fledgling killer's first effort at transformation. How did you feel <coughs> when you saw him, Clarice? Scared at first, then. Exhilarated. Jack Crawford is helping your career, isn't he? Apparently, he likes you, and you like him, too. I never thought about it. Do you think Jack Crawford wants you sexually? True, he is much older, but do you think he visualizes scenarios, exchanges, fucking you? That doesn't interest me, Doctor. Frankly, it's, it's the sort of thing that Miggs would say. to your drawings. Punishment, you see, for Migs. Just like that gospel program. When you leave, they'll turn the volume way up. Dr. Chilton does enjoy his petty torments. What did you mean by transformation, doctor? I've been in this room for eight years now, Clarice. I know they will never, ever let me out while I'm alive. What I want is a view. I want a window where I can see a tree or even water. I want to be in a federal institution far away from Dr. Chilton. What did you mean by fledgling killer? Are you saying that he's killed again? I'm offering you a psychological profile in Buffalo Bill based on the case evidence. I'll help you catch him, Clarice. You know who he is, don't you? Tell me who decapitated your patient, Doctor. All good things to those who wait. I've waited, Clarice, but how long can you and old Jackie boy wait? Our little Billy must already be searching for that next special lady. He knows how to string it along like it does. You know, yeah, just... I, I very much enjoy the way he just toys with fucking everybody. Yeah. Yes. But he doesn't yeah. like, like uh, Alex mentioned before, you can tell that the respect is there. Mm -hmm. Even so, but my God, dude, like 
I wish I could talk to people like that. <laughs> yeah. You can tell that Clarice is already more comfortable, I think, with Lecter because she doesn't use the chair there. She goes on the ground almost like a sign of respect that he's on the ground as well. Yes. Um, so they're both sitting down and like on his level or so to so to speak, you know. It's like um, they talk to a little kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting. I didn't really think about that until this last watch through that uh and again with the whole like i mentioned before with like the courtesy gentleman gives her a towel you know in 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 her in her slight despair um but at the same time like it's it's still a killer you know like Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i thought that was kind of interesting like she forego the the chair for a more casual sit down she's wet she's not like fresh off the fbi training thing and like you know it's a more intimate personal conversation even the second time yeah now let me he, let me ask you this uh, sorry doug just no, no, as, go ahead. you know i don't know anything about the the sequelization of this movie you know other than bits and pieces i've seen but this scene to me reads a lot like oh she's definitely going to be a serial killer one day <laughs> and, and he's going to mentor her and that yeah. seems to be like where they're steering your perception of this relationship i mean is that way off base in this, yeah in, in in the sequel he he wishes for that he 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 is he's almost sexually attracted to her mm-hmm. um but i, I just to, just to quickly talk about this scene and the way this develops he has realized that she has the skill to figure this all out on her own and that's as much why he's not just giving her the answers as anything mm-hmm. he's not giving her the answers because that's the game he plays with everyone but he also knows that she's got game and she will figure out who buffalo bill is and get mm-hmm. this done so the respect is ramped up even more and as far as the sequel the sequels go the, the, I, I talked off air about the fact that I didn't particularly care for Hannibal the book or, Same. or, or the movie because of the direction they took Clarice in in that from this point forward in her career it never went like it went for her now like mm-hmm. all the accolades and her success everything she missed everything by like that much Mm, going okay. forward everything she touched turned to shit and she became an alcoholic and i don't remember if it was drugs too but um she spiraled and while that makes complete sense for everything she had been through from her childhood through this whole experience and then so on it makes sense for a human being to have that spiral happen it hurt because we loved clary so much in this movie and in the books, you know, so yeah. it was it was painful to see her be like that in in the sequels. And so that's why I didn't really like them as much like Red Dragon. I loved better Red Dragon's um, better. But I also I couldn't rem- I couldn't remember the title the other day. But Red Dragon is a remake because there was a movie made that does look great, Eric, by the way. Yeah, I'm sorry. Eric just, just showed through. a picture of it of his picture of his head in a jar and it does look like a head. It looks pretty good. Um, there was a movie in the late eighties called Manhunter. It was a Michael Mann joint that, that um, was the original red dragon. Mm. And it was much more stylized. Cause that's Michael Mann. Cause this was way back. This was back in his Miami vice days. So like it was very, 
it was very Florida. A lot of it took place in Florida. It was very Florida stylized, like like the whole Miami Vice thing. But it was still really, really good. Red Dragon is a more faithful telling of the Red Dragon book by Thomas mm-hmm. Harris. And in that in that story, Lecter has already been captured. That's not the story. Of, that's that's the story of another FBI profiler who talks to Lecter about solving another the Red Dragon series. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with the White Dragon from Peacemaker. Yes, exactly. He's a whole different animal. Yeah, way <laughs> different animal. Exactly. So, all right, let's keep going. So we are now in Memphis, Tennessee, um, and we meet um, the next victim uh, in in this crime spree, uh, Catherine Martin. She's played by Brooke Smith. Um, I know her from Grey's Anatomy. She's been in a bunch of stuff. But um, she's heading home in a car, and she's singing American Girl by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Um, Which, uh, a little bit of trivia here. He's from Gainesville, Florida. Oh, he is? Yeah, Tom Petty's from Gainesville, Florida. I didn't know that. That's cool. We got Tom Petty parks here, Tom Petty memorials everywhere. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Yep. So uh, next we get a quick look, a quick first look at Buffalo Bill. Uh, We see him, just his eyes, so to speak. We see him watching Catherine pull into the parking lot to her apartment uh, through a pair of night vision goggles. Um. When she arrives, she gets out of the car and she comes across uh, Bill struggling to load a couch into his van. Uh, He's got a cast on his arm and he's trying to load a couch with one arm and it's not working out. So she goes over and offers to help him get the couch in the van. Um, He asks her to climb in so that, you know, and pull the couch so he can slide it all the way in. Uh, Once she's inside, he knocks her unconscious with a big old swing of that cast covered hand. Um, he, so he knocks her unconscious, then he he cuts her uh, blouse off from the back uh, with a pair of scissors, and he is very excited about her back. It's she's a she's a big girl, she's a large girl, so he's you know he gets her actually when when he asks her, you're about a size fourteen, right? So and he cuts it open, the blouse open, and he sees that she's a size fourteen. So this gets him very excited. Um, the cool thing about it is so Brooke Smith and and so Buffalo Bill. Or, or James Gum is played by Ted Levine. Um, this was one of his first roles, and obviously the breakout role for him. Um, he and Brooke Smith, they have a lot of time together in this movie. They became good friends, um, which is kind of weird because, you know, Buffalo Bill captures her to kill her and skin her, but they as actors became very close and had, had a lot of fun on set. They did practical jokes and stuff. Uh, to keep the mood as light as possible, given the the nature of the of the uh, the story, um, so that that was pretty good. Um, and it was I another piece, a trivia attached. To this is Jodie Foster started referring to her to Brooke Smith as Patty Hearst <laughs> because he was joke. She was joking that she was falling in love with her kidnapper, <laughs> uh, just like Patty mm-hmm. Hearst was. Yeah, Stockholm syndrome. Like, yes, what, like exactly. what Doug got. Yeah, I. Big time. Yeah. Worked out well for me, though. 38 years later, baby. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. So the, we the, now. Uh, the, yeah. um, the, the, the van move, there's a couple things I want to point out. The the move that um, James Gum does in this is a Ted Bundy move uh, yeah. with yeah. the whole cast thing. Because I guess um, Buffalo Bill's character is based off three serial killers, and one of them is Ted Bundy. That's why they use the name James Bundy later, right? I think so. Sounds right. When they yeah, talk about the airport, like his like his name is James Bundy. 
No, it's yeah. Jane. We're talking well, his, about when he ordered the uh, bugs, when the, when he took the bugs from Suriname, it was under James Bundy. That oh, the, oh, I think I think that's oh, right. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we'll you're absolutely it. right, Joe. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So they oh. used Bundy. Yes, absolutely. One thing that I uh, actually I never noticed that Becca pointed out, which actually ends up corroborating from the behind the scenes I watched with an FBI agent talking about serial killers and having vans being as close to soundproof as possible. I don't know if you guys noticed, but the back two doors on Buffalo Bill's van are actually wood. It's paneled off wood and then has like door knockers for him to pull them closed because there's no actual like traditional handle because okay. it's, it's for sound reinforcement for any of the victims that might wake up before yeah. he gets them to Man, their the area. Detail. The detail. I just thought it was one of those shitty work vans from the <laughs> right? had fucking wood panels in his item. Nope. It, it's it's wood panels, but it's like wood panels. Not it's like panels of wood, not wood panel. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yes. it's really Becca pointed that out as a first time viewer, and I was like I never really saw that, like, but it was a really good catch. Holy shit. Right. Imagine being the production designer that comes up with that idea. They're like, you know, they're great. Get this right. Yeah. (laughs) You really want to nail this whole serial killer thing. You might want to get some fucking, uh, some particle board from home Depot. So how do you know that? Yeah. Like he gets flagged. Well, that could be the benefit of working with the FBI. Cause like you said, at the beginning, Doug, like, that wasn't really a thing before this movie and they didn't allow right. a lot of filming until this movie exactly. to be there and like that opening scene where it says like pain and suffer love it whatever like that's yes. actually there it's not yeah. a stage prop like so yeah they definitely had like a profile thing going i guess but it was it's kind of to highlight that stuff and to celebrate it sounds like a weird word way to say it but even jody foster was like you're not encouraging that behavior it's like to help point out this stuff yeah mm-hmm. you know yep Yep, yep. But yeah. So that's that's my thing about the van. Cool. All right. So we are now back at Quantico in training. Clarice is once again in training. Um she is holding um pads for uh her partner to uh box. And you can see that she's taking a beating, but again, she is not backing down. Um she she's got a male partner at this point and he's pummeling this this these pads and she's hanging in there. Um, she is once again interrupted. <laughs> this happens quite a bit to her. She gets interrupted again to leave class. Um, real quick bit of trivia. David Lynch was the guy who called her name. Um, he was on set hanging out with Demi because they're friends. And uh, he had him call her name to say that she had to go see so-and-so. Um, so she finds out she she's brought outside and found out that she's being sent to West Virginia to meet Crawford and the team because they found a, another girl's body. Um, so she's going to meet them there. So it's pretty, pretty exciting for her. Um, we see that uh, we are now in Clay County, West Virginia. So Clarice is sort of home. Um, she's in her neck of the woods again. They're on a plane and Crawford explains that the, uh, you know, he's, he's laying out a little exposition here. The, the killer keeps his victims alive for three days. They don't know why. Uh, there's no evidence of abuse prior to death. Um, the mutilation to the bodies is done post-mortem and uh, after three days he shoots them, he skins them and he dumps them. Um, so, uh, during the car ride to the funeral home, um, Clarice, this is where Clarice calls out Crawford again on his nonsense. Um, but he sort of straightens her out. She reveals that she knows that Crawford sent her to see Lecter hoping to get his help with the case. And she's pissed off at him for not confiding in her. And Crawford's response is valid in that if I had told you 
uh, that that was the case, Lecter would have smelled it out in a second and he would have shut up. And and he's right, but you can see the Clarice again. She has no problem standing up for herself and calling anybody out on their bullshit. Um, you know, that's just a thing for her. So, um, we are at the funeral home now. Uh, Clarice and Crawford are led into a room full of local cops, um, and the awkwardness begins. Yeah, they don't uh, want them there. Yeah, exactly. That's the first thing. It's typical. It's a trope, but it's true. Yep. Uh, they announce their presence as the FBI, and the sheriff immediately makes it known that we don't want you here. You know, you're, yeah. you're, we'll handle this. Um, uh, Crawford does this fucking ham-handed attempt at, of getting the sheriff out of the room by saying, you know, we got to talk about stuff, but it's kind of delicate and uh, puts Clarice in an awkward situation because, you know, makes the whole room full of deputies and the sheriff think that, you know, Crawford doesn't want to talk about this gruesome case in front of his agent, who's a girl. And we get to the part of this scene where that Eric talked about earlier in, in, in the show that, you know, from Clarice's point of view, she's looking at about 10 deputies who are staring at her with any, anything f with looks of pity to disdain as yeah. to her presence oh, yeah. there. And you can tell that it's not, they're looking at her, not just as an FBI agent that yes, they don't want her there you know, because she's FBI. No, she's a woman and she's mm -hmm. worthless. And, you know, yeah. And these police. are like those guys that work at that, uh, police off police station in Tennessee by Will's house. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. This happens regularly around Will's house. There's no There's question. Two movies I've seen this month that made me understand for a moment, just for a fleeting moment, what it must be like to be a woman in these kind of situations is this and fucking Barbie, man. And, and <laughs> I still gotta watch yeah. that. Yeah, I want to see it, definitely. Um, yeah, and I, I can understand where, you, where you're coming from with that, definitely. So while she's waiting for Crawford, she hears some organ music, and she's drawn uh, to another part of the funeral home where an actual funeral is being taken. She heard some place. organ music when she when she was with, talking to Lecter. Mix was <laughs> yeah, next door. <laughs> she did. She did. Um, she sees the funeral and the coffin, and this immediately brings her back to her youth again. And... Uh, being at her own father's funeral. So her father's in the casket. She's all alone now. She gives him a kiss on the cheek. Um, it, it's a pretty, pretty, it's a very emotional scene. Um, and, and how she's quickly drawn back to that. So um, the group now heads to a back room where the girl's body is being kept. Uh, Clarice deftly clears the room of the locals. That's so great. Yep. Because again, she shows how she could take control of a situation. So all the deputies and the sheriff are in that room, but she just talks about the fact that, you know, we appreciate the way that you've taken care of her as one of your own, but you got to let us do our job now. So if you could just please leave for a little bit and let us do our job and then we'll get you back, we'll get her back to you. And, and, you know, they all, they all agree and they all leave the room. So now it's just her and the funeral director and, and the FBI, the, the other FBI agents Crawford and, and, and the guy's going to do the autopsy. Um, they were having coffee around the corpse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it yes. was so just mundane for them. Yeah, for them it was an everyday thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it might be more gruesome, but it's mm -hmm. an everyday thing. And and so she clears the room. Um, so it's really, I mean, the, the funeral director, like, he opens the zipper on the body bag and he he dramatically flips open the body bag and. They're all immediately overcome with the smell of the body, first off. Yeah, and, and I the think side also the they're being way too, like, you know, touchy on evidence. Like, 
they're pushing the camera into it as hard as they can and shit. Well, I, I think they've gotten some of what they've needed already. I guess the local PD did some of that stuff already for them, and they've got to get this is more of an autopsy than a evidence. It is evidence gathering, but it's an autopsy as much to see what's going on. Um, one thing I thought was interesting is that when Clarice first sees the body, she immediately just she mutters Bill. Mm. She knows this motherfucker did this. Yeah. Without having yeah, yeah, seen yeah. any the patterns they're gonna see yeah. in a minute or anything like that, she just goes, Bill. Now and, I, I had a gripe with this scene. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, they all prepped for how bad this was gonna smell. So yes. you know, they're smearing the stuff under their nose, whatever you know, the industry term for that stuff is. He whips that thing off of that body like he's fucking doing a a, yes. a parlor trick, like trying exactly. to keep the fucking he the just flowers fucking, are still the, standing. He pulled the tablecloth off the table and all the all the dishes oh, stay like, there. You yeah. know that's gonna create quite a waft. Oh you know yeah. What I mean? Oh no, they got hit with it anyway. That's that that vapor yeah. rub or whatever it was under their nose didn't help <laughs> that much. Oh yeah. You know? I think the people that worked at the mortician they didn't necessarily. A lot of them didn't use it because they were so used to it. I oh think. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, they yeah. are nose deaf. There's no question. About yeah. That. That's so, like uh, our buddy Will, that Patreon member. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes to the dump like every day. That's true. He doesn't know mm-hmm. what he smells like. Yep. Yeah. I I, I I love in this scene, like the the acting that Jodie Foster does, the quiver like in her voice yes. when she's recording everything for mm-hmm. her records. And it's just so like, she's very like um, apprehensive and very like um like timid and like yes. you can hear it in her voice and it's within like two minutes during this that's she almost like this is the moment where it's like this is what i'm doing i gotta find the person that's doing this and when she does her final recordings there's a calmness and a comfort to her voice towards the end of it yes it's like this like like this is like her leaving the nest moment almost mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. seeing the gruesomeness you know very like she it was it was a cool thing like re-watching it to like really notice that like, great acting here yeah from her just talking to she's either talking directly to a camera or she's talking to like a recorder you know, know. a lot of exactly. times yeah really exactly. good really good acting and um so yeah, as Joe talked about the 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 guy who's doing the autopsy and the evidence gathering, he's got a Polaroid camera, and um, he's he's pushing it like he pushes it up against her mouth to take pictures of her teeth. He pushes it up against her back when they see the, the find the patterns back there. The sound that camera makes is fucking jarring. Yeah, like the, the I pop, like the sound. The yeah, pop and the Polaroid coming out. Normally it's funny because Polaroid, to me from my youth because that i mean when i was a kid polaroids were a thing how old is this motherfucker exactly (laughs) that sound represented joy like the polaroid sound represented joy because your your parents or your friends were taking a picture of and you were going to see that come on which was like technological let's be real you were putting the pole and polaroid but you were taking them old school dick pics (laughs) exactly exactly they were all dick pics yeah. But like that was black magic fuckery. I mean, like to have these pictures come out in in a minute, and it's the exact opposite here. This noise is just so jarring and and just offensive almost, and it, it it's it's hard to listen to. There's um, almost there's almost a like gun quality to yes. it. There's like some very. Jar- I, I'm with you, Doug. Like there's almost like 
And, and again, I like the sound of mechanics in the sound of fire. I'm not really a firearm person, you yeah. know, but I like the sound that they make because it's a mechanical thing. Right. There's almost something imposed here. Going back to my No Country episode where they used the sound of uh, a, a nail gun for yes. that that uh, cattle prod thing. Yes. There's something almost like fake to give you this like uncomfortable feeling of it of yeah. that. Exactly. You know, it has that like shotgun cocking sound. Yes. Yeah. To it, it you know. It does. I think and psychologically, you're in. You're. It's so fucking invasive. To you know, you have this naked person, you know, decaying, lying on a table, and they're they're doing their jobs. It's so clinical. They're just shoving this plastic piece into the body and snapping yep. pictures. It all feels very clinical and gross. And the sound yeah. design absolutely echoes that. Where you're like, fuck, man. Like this is yes this is jarring like this is you know absolutely so i do want to go give a quick shout out to lamar the funeral director he's played by tracy walter mm-hmm. fantastic character actor he mm-hmm. was in 1989 batman mm-hmm. he was in repo man he was a conan the destroyer and a million other things uh he played the psycho bad guy in steve mcqueen's last movie called the hunter um, he's such a great, and I grew up with the guy. That's another reason why I absolutely love him because he was in a lot of different roles, you know, when I was younger. Cause he's been around for a long time. Um, he's still alive, which is cool. He doesn't act anymore, but uh, Tracy Walter is Lamar. He's got this weird, quirky smile, and he can play like this harmless guy, like this guy, but then he can play a psychopath. And, you know, he was in the art scene, the art gallery scene in Batman. He was the one who was going to destroy the paint. Gun. Oh, shit. Nicholson, yeah. Nicholson said, no, no, I like that one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. That's a deep so, cut. Yep. So that's him. So he's been in a couple of movies we've done. It's pretty cool. Um, the actor on the slab here, there was a live actor for it. So yeah. for the, the, the moth in the throat, they used chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Or like so Tootsie oh. Roll or something yeah. like that. Like, cause, cause she had a, at, at, uh, any co- time uh, Jodie Foster was saying for three minutes like not to be breathing and you if she moved a little bit they couldn't use that part of it so like yeah. they yeah. made sure that it was like something that you could actually eat which was yep. you know I could see Joe be on the slab he's like uh, I need another moth I ate my last one again. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> was this was this was yummy <laughs> um, yeah so as, as Clarice examines the Polaroid of the victim's mouth she spots something lodged in the throat and it's a bug cocoon uh, that's pulled out. Um, so they turn the body over to reveal some diamond-shaped patterns cut from the victim's back. Everybody's kind of freaked out about this, and they're still not quite sure what these cuts represent. She's Obviously, all the victims have a cut, uh, cuts like this in them in different parts of their body, but they don't know yet what's going on. Um, so uh, we're back in the car now, and Clarice once again calls Crawford out, this time on how she ha- how he handled the sheriff. Uh, getting the sheriff out of the room when they first got there and you know he just wanted to get the, he he explains he just wanted to get the the sheriff out of the room and her point was well it's all it's basically all about perception you know i was perceived a certain way because of what you did and it matters and his response was point taken he realized that you know he didn't do it the right way um he didn't apologize he just said point taken point taken yep. exactly you know. exactly so uh, back in D.C., Clarice heads to the uh, Smithsonian National History Museum to get an expert opinion on the uh, I like these guys. Found. <laughs> oh, love these dudes. Uh, so we're going to roll it. This is probably one of the quickest clips in the whole thing. Roll it. <laughs> 
Time Kelch, my move. No fair, you lured him with produce. Tough noogies. Still my turn. <laughs> nice and slow, baby. If the beetle moves one of your men, does that still count? Of course it counts. How do you play? Agent Starling? Where the heck did this come from? It's practically mush. It was found behind the soft pallet of a murder victim. The body was in the Elk River in West Virginia. It's Buffalo Bill, isn't it? I'm afraid I can't tell you any more about that. We heard about it on the radio. You mean this is like a clue from a real murder case? Cool. Just ignore him. He's not a PhD. <laughs> a spingid serotomia, maybe. Boy, he's a big sucker. Okay. Let's check morphology. What do you do when you're not detecting, Agent Starling? Try to be a student, Dr. Pilcher. You ever go out for cheeseburgers and beer? The amusing house wine? Are you hitting on me, Doctor? Yes. Gotcha. What do you got, Rudin? Agent Starling, meet Mr. Acherontius Styx. Weird. Better known to his friends as the Death's Head Moth. Now, where does it come from? God, that's what's strange. Only live in Asia. Asia? In this country, they'd have to be specially raised from imported eggs. Uh, somebody grew this guy. Fed him honey and nightshade. Kept him warm. Somebody loved him. <laughs> yeah, I like the bug nerds. Show. I love these guys because they, they do such a great job. Because the this is exactly how two entomologists yeah. from the Smithsonian would act. Like guys their age. Oh, yeah. yeah. Be the yeah. nerdiest fucking nerds. But still dig the girls and and just do. do I was like, oh, he's got no shame. He's like, are you asking me now? Yes. I know. <laughs> and you know what? It's great because you see how Clarice can adapt to a situation where when Chilton was hitting on her, she was totally skeeved out, and she handled that one way, and he's hitting on her, and she handles it a completely different way because well, he's definitely because he's harmless, you yeah. know. And she she obviously immediately picks up on that, and she almost starts hitting hitting them back on him. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, very two cool dudes. I, I dig that. So, yeah, so we get, um, you know, we get the reveal of, of what was a major marketing, uh, part of the marketing for this movie was the picture of the moth with the, with the skull on the back of it. Um, so, you know, we, we see that revealed to us and, and the fact that these, these particular bugs are not native to the States. So they're brought in. Which, you know, is a way that will help them uh, find out who's doing this stuff, you know? So it's also, I think, the only time in the movie Clarice has a quote, generic conversation that isn't about a dead body or a serial killer. <laughs> you know? Yeah, very it's, true. You're right. It's, it's the yeah. only like slight piece of ginger to cleanse the palate, a little bit of like, there's still a humanistic element here. It's not yes. just. You know, FBI. Back to exactly. Joe's stand-up routine real quick. I hate oh, when God. people put the fucking ginger on the piece of sushi they're eating. That's not what it's for. You don't put the wasabi in the ginger on the piece of sushi that you're going to eat. The ginger is to cleanse your palate between bites of sushi. Okay. I Duly hate ginger, noted. so I do not use it at all. Oh, but people I do that sushi. shit and it drives me crazy. I'm like, that's not what it's for. Okay. I'm like, you're just are ruining, you supposed the, to, you're ruining the you flavor of the sushi, like itself. Are you supposed to put the wasabi on the sushi? You typically you could put it on the, the on the sushi or mix it with the soy sauce and then dip it. Okay, I I've done both. But so I get but that. the the, right. the ginger itself should not go on the sushi because the ginger is the palate yeah. cleanser. 
Oh, God. Ginger is something that turns my stomach. I can't eat it. Yeah. I like taking small bites of it between pieces, but that's what it's for. Okay. So thank it. you for bringing that up. <laughs> All right. Back to my stand-up bit of me just complaining about bullshit. <laughs> no, that's not stand-up. That's facts. Baby, you're spitting facts. Yeah. I love it. All right. So now we are at uh, Buffalo Bill's house. It's our first view of the house. Uh, as we pan through Bill's basement lair, uh, moths and butterflies are flying around everywhere. Uh, we hear Catherine yelling in the background as Bill sits naked at his sewing machine. He's sewing something. We don't see what it is yet. His dog, Precious, uh, runs towards Catherine's yelling, and we see that she's being held in a very deep well. Um, the only way in and out of that, they had to build a secret entrance so Brooke Smith could uh, crawl in and out of that thing uh, rather than have to lift her out every time. Uh, and they would cover it up with dirt and stuff so that you wouldn't see it uh, when the well was on camera. So um, we're back at Quantico now. Um, the F there's a bunch of FBI trainees and and other people watching a newscast on in the in the lounge there. Uh, and we learn uh, during that newscast that Catherine is the daughter of Senator Ruth Martin. Um, the senator at this point pleads for her daughter's return. She's using textbook language to try to humanize her daughter so that, uh, you know, the killer may see her as a person and not a thing or an object. Um, you know, um, Ardelia and, and, and Clarice are both impressed with this. Uh, yeah. I like how they this, call it out uh, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So again, it, it, it's something that was probably talked about by the FBI uh, people who, who were consulting on it. And, you know, they incorporated it into the, although I think it might've been in the book too. I'm not sure, but anyway, um, it, it's, it's cool the way they did it. So, um, so we're back at Baltimore hospital, uh, for our third interaction between Clarice and, uh, and, uh, Dr. Lecter. But first Clarice is arguing with a very agitated Dr. Chilton, um, about breaking the rules and not involving him. And just again, cause he's a fucking egomaniac. So he hmm. gets very pissed. Control so, freak. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so we've got our third clip now uh, between the two. So let's do it. If your profile helps us catch Buffalo Bill in time to save Catherine Martin, the senator promises you a transfer to the VA hospital at Oneida Park, New York, with a view of the woods nearby. Maximum security still applies, of course. You'd have reasonable access to books. Best of all, though, one week of the year, you get to leave the hospital and go here. Plum Island. Every day of that week, you may walk on the beach. You may swim in the ocean for up to one hour under SWAT team surveillance, of course. And there you have it. Copy of the Buffalo Bill case file. Copy of the senator's offer. This offer is non-negotiable and final. Catherine Martin dies, you get nothing. Plum Island Animal Disease Research Center. Sounds charming. That's only part of the island. There's very, very nice beach. Terns nest there. There's beautiful... Terns? Mm. 
If I help you, Clarice, it will be turns with us too. Quid pro quo, I tell you things, you tell me things. Not about this case, though, about yourself. Quid pro quo, yes or no? Yes or no, Clarice? Poor little Catherine is waiting. Go, Doctor. What is your worst memory of childhood? Death of my father. Tell me about it and don't lie or I'll know. He was a town marshal and one night he surprised two burglars coming out of the back of a drugstore. They shot him. Was he killed outright? No, he was very strong. He lasted more than a month. My mother died when I was very young, so... My father had become the whole world to me, and uh, when he left me, I had nothing. I was ten years old. You're very frank, Clarice. I think it would be quite something to know you in private life. Quid pro quo, Doctor. So tell me about Miss West Virginia. Was she a large girl? Yes. Big through the hips, Romy? They all were. What else? She had an object deliberately inserted into her throat. Now, that hasn't been made public yet. We don't know what it means. Was it a butterfly? Yes, a moth. Just like the one we found in Benjamin Raspail's head an hour ago. Why does he place them there, Doctor? The significance of the moth is change. Caterpillar into chrysalis or pupa, and from thence into beauty. Our belly wants to change too. There's no correlation in the literature between transsexualism and violence. Transsexuals are very passive. Clever girl. You're so close to the way you're gonna catch him. Do you realize that? No, tell me why. After your father's murder, you were often what happened next? I don't imagine the answer is on those second-rate shoes, Clarice. I went to live with my mother's cousin and her husband in Montana. They had a ranch. Was it a cattle ranch? Sheep and horses. How long did you live there? Two months. Why so briefly? I ran away. Why, Clarice? Did the rancher make you perform fellatio? Did he sodomize you? No. He was a very decent man. Quid pro quo, doctor. Billy is not a real transsexual, but he thinks he is. He tries to be. He's tried to be a lot of things, I expect. Now, you said that I was very close to the way we would catch him. What did you mean, doctor? There are three major centers for transsexual surgery. Johns Hopkins, University of Minnesota and Columbus Medical Center. I wouldn't be surprised if Billy had applied for sex reassignment at one or all of them and been rejected. On what basis would they reject him? Look for severe childhood disturbances associated with violence. Our Billy wasn't born a criminal, Clarice. He was made one through years of systematic abuse. Billy hates his own identity, you see thinks that makes him a transsexual, but his pathology is a thousand times more savage. 
or terrify. Yep. I gotta say, man, uh, if, if I'm Clarice, I'm real offended at the amount of attention that's being paid to my shoes. <laughs> like, God damn, yeah. man. Yeah, I'm sorry I went to Ross Dress for Less. Like, I couldn't yeah. afford to fucking get anything he better. Gets, he, he gets yeah. his jabs in. I was like, exactly. <laughs> he's still, he's not letting go of the poor white trash thing. He can't help himself. <laughs> Yeah. Still, that, you know, I, uh, I went to Burlington today because I needed some running shoes and I got it for 20 bucks. Some, some uh, nice Reeboks. Oh, there you go. 20 there bucks. Go. $19.99. Yeah. Can't fucking go wrong. There you go. Burlington. Burlington's a, that's a great place, man. Get a yeah. Of shit there. Gotten suits there and. Oh, yeah. Shirts and everything there, man. Good stuff. So. Um, so, yeah. I mean, if, if you want more detail on what set Bill down his path, um, the book. I can't remember the details now, to be honest with you, but um, there's a lot more attention paid to what he actually went through as a child. Um, his life was way fucked up, obviously, and that's what set him along this path. Um, so, I mean, I, I'd highly, I highly recommend all the all the Lecter books, all 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 of them. I mean, Thomas Harris is a is a great writer. Um, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to get for my Kindle for the for the plane rides to Vegas, and I think that's high on the list um see that or dune but i don't know if i'm ready for a friggin' epic like dune yeah that thing's so huge i think i might i might do uh yeah i might do um uh silence of the lambs or or one of them anyway leave an audiobook then for or you never actually no read just it. a kindle i i just I, I like to read read but i don't want to carry the book so i got a kindle i can understand um, that um you know i might send you some recommendations also yeah, once you do books. that, that'd be cool. I got a good bunch that'd of good cool. books I've been I've been reading lately, and uh, I'll I'll send you some All pictures right. of the covers. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd appreciate that, man. Uh, so the, we're gonna go right into another clip. It actually starts right as this ends, but I just wanted to talk about that. Did you, Alex? Did you have anything else about that scene you want to talk about now, or? Um, not. I didn't have really trivia. I, I yeah. think Dem Demi had the um point of like can you turn around when talking to her almost like you don't want to see the answers of her traumatic childhood type of thing yeah. i think was a demi thing and it is one of the times that um somebody is talking he technically is turned around but somebody's talking and it's not from the point of view of clarice because right. it didn't make sense for this the other time that you notice that uh that's a big one is because of spatial confinements when her and crawford are talking on the plane Yes, not, it's yeah. not for it's not in first person yeah, also like, yeah there was a good point made in that one i think it was of demi of in that plane it was so small that crawford just going back to this had to yell the information to her and he's talking about like these killings and these dumping the bodies and stuff it's just right. very unsettling to have to yell that type of information yeah. Yeah, too yeah. it's it's not brought out a whisper but yeah no just another good um scene with um lector playing games and yes. it's funny that he's like, you're going to catch him. You're, you're really close, but like, mm -hmm. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta have fun too. This is exactly. my entertainment. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Quid pro quo. Yeah. Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Squid pro row. <laughs> <laughs> so this next clip we're going to play, I pulled just because it is iconic. Uh, it's classic. If you, you yeah. haven't even seen the movie. You've heard this in one context or form or another. Um, it's not that long a clip, and it's fantastic. 
So uh, roll it, Joe. It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. Mr. My family will pay cash. Whatever ransom you're asking for, they'll pay it. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. Yes, you will, precious. You will get the hose. Mr. If you let me go, I won't. I won't press charges, I promise. See, my mom is a real important woman. I, I guess you already know that. Now it places the lotion in the basket. Please. Please. Oh, I go home, please. Please. It places the lotion in the basket. I want to see my mommy. funny though like is my because i remember the scene but i think i remember the scene from fucking joe dirt <laughs> yeah. yes that's what it was even if you yeah. hadn't seen the movie you know this scene in one mm. context or another yeah oh yeah the, this scene goes into the like the zeitgeist yes yeah, yeah. it's 100 it's and, yeah uh, so when she's screaming at the end what happens is she looks up and sees um a fingernail stuck in the wall Mm-hmm. And it freaks her out, and that fingernail was referenced to the the body they found in West Virginia was missing a fingernail. Yeah. Um. So, Eric, I've got a question for you. Yes, sir. Who paid direct homage to the scene, the end of this scene, in a movie we've both seen, but very few other people have seen? All right. So the screaming part. Um. Yep. We yeah we talked about um and an, another homage and another one of his movies to this movie. But in Tusk, man, when you get into oh, I gotta see that. Tusk, there's a scene in Tusk where, not to give too much away, but you know, a character is is in torment, screaming, and the guy tormenting him does the uh, Buffalo Bill, where he's just kind of mocking him and screaming along with them. You but know, doing he the... does it so much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Bill it's Park good. when he did that is Bill Park. I know his mm-hmm. last name is Park, but I think it's yeah, it's Bill Park. He's like, ah, I can't even do it. <laughs> But Tim, my son Tim and I do that to each other for no reason. Just out yeah. of the blue, we'll just start doing that because we both went to see Tusk together. <laughs> That's funny. Alex, you had, yeah, have you seen Kevin Smith's movie Tusk? No, uh, okay. I have not. Yeah, I've heard. It's, it's not a, surprising. They made nine hundred thousand dollars in in the theaters because no one went to see it. But it's funny that I got to see it. Eric and I both have seen it. Yeah. Um, but yes, that's a direct nod to this film. I, I, I had uh, to pull, that scene. I had to pull this clip real quick. <laughs> see if this yeah. actually actually yeah. plays here. No, Ted you have no idea it. what kind of hell I can bring you. Oh, all right, enough, you broken record. Okay, I've been down here 
two weeks, man. What do you want? It puts the lotion on its skin. No! Well, say it. Don't spray it, brother. <laughs> Dang. I need a towel now. Does what it's told! <laughs> there, look. I'm putting the lotion on the skin. I'm rubbing it in. <laughs> hey, tell you the truth, brother, between you and me, that thing with the dog is coming off a little fruity. <laughs> That's just me talking, I don't. Where's my supplies? Yeah, come on, man. I thought we had a deal. <laughs> oh, for Christ's sake! Here! <laughs> hey, Auto Trader! Ooh, August, I don't got this one. There's some deals in here. Oh, check this out. 71 Cuda. Plum Crazy Purple. This guy wants 14 grand. What? I give him 7,500. I used to have one of these. This guy's crazy. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist it. Yeah. I love it. It wasn't, it wasn't it Auto Trader. <laughs> auto Trader. I haven't seen That's the most I white trash shit I've ever seen. Is auto I, know. I know. I used to love him. No, well, that's, that's further it. proof, man, of the cultural impact of this yeah. freaking movie. That, mm -hmm. So, like, I, for some reason, I told you, I felt like I'd seen this movie before, but I'd never seen this movie before. I think it's because I watched the Hannibal movie and I watched Joe Dirt, <laughs> the two and two together. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So. And then uh, we're going to take a break, but I mean, that, that whole thing, it rubs the lotion on its skin. That's, it's kind of scary, but that's said regularly in my house. If anybody even talks about using any kind of lotion, that's yeah. fucking said. It rubs and, the lotion on the skin. Or it, it gets the, the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told or it gets the hose. It's got to be like so, so dispensable. It rubs like, the lotion on its skin. Yeah. Yep. Or it gets the hose <laughs> of Teletalks yes. and YouTube fame. Put the fucking lotion in the basket. He's trying to he's trying to like completely dehumanize her and not oh, get yeah. get yeah. sucked into the emotion and then he ends up losing it, which is yep. it's it's awesome yeah. in that moment. I, I wonder if open the fucking door was a reference to put the fucking lotion in the basket. Because they were they were delivered yeah. so much the same way. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. So that said, we are gonna take another break and we will be back to wrap this thing up in our next part. Oh. Hey there, uh, it's me, your buddy Eric, and I am here to remind you about the monthly art show at Hourglass Brewing in Longwood, Florida. Every month, there's a different theme, sometimes movie-related, sometimes not. We've had MCU, we've had Star Wars, we've had John Carpenter, and all of these amazing local artists will contribute to the show. The art will be hanging all month long, but the best part is that you have the ability to purchase any of that local art and bring it home. Uh, again, check out Hourglass Brewing in Longwood, Florida, and tell them MOTCU sent you. 